Yeah, for everyone watching online, we were just waiting for Andrea Miller to actually finish visiting. <laughs> and, um, oh, she's sitting down finally. <laughs> just kidding. I, I know that we could do a lot longer uh, meet and greet time, but, but uh, we got to keep going here. I just want to begin with, with a question today, and my question for you is this, uh, how many of you have ever felt disappointed with God? How many of you have ever felt disappointed with God? Maybe you're disappointed in his timing, maybe you're disappointed because he just didn't do the thing that you thought he should do. Has anyone been there before? Um, I was reflecting on that this week. And uh, back when I was a, a teacher at, at Cornerstone Christian School in Moose Jaw there, um, <clears throat> a friend of mine named Robin Hill was diagnosed with, with cancer. And, and Robin was a, a dad of, of kind of one of the foundational families at Cornerstone. Everybody knew Rob and everyone knew his family. Robin had seven children, and uh, he was just so devoted to the school and the community and, and, and just the mission and vision of, of Cornerstone. And uh, I had the privilege of, of coaching three of his sons in, in basketball, and actually one of my, my favorite memories of Robin was, was we actually, when we won our first provincial title, and you have to understand, Cornerstone had not won anything at this point. And we won our first provincial title and we're on the floor and all the crowd comes on the floor and we're all celebrating and, and rejoicing. And all of a sudden, in the corner of my eye, I see Robin running towards me. Not jogging, running towards me. And he runs and he jumps on me. And his legs are wrapped around my waist. And he's going like this. And he starts going, CCS! And, and I'm doing everything I can just to hold them up. And uh, that was one of my favorites, uh, favorite memories for sure of, of Robin. And uh, <clears throat> we, we prayed for him a lot. As a staff, one Friday morning, I remember we went to his home. And we laid hands and, and prayed for him. And we prayed for him in chapels and in staff meetings and... His, uh, his daughter, Callie, was, was in my class, and every morning, we, we'd start the morning with praying for, for Robin, and I was convinced, convinced that he was going to be healed, and, uh, and he died, and I just couldn't understand that. I, I just didn't get it. Seven kids without a dad. And there was so much prayer. And I remember on our staff, there was a couple naysayers to God's healing. And I just thought, man, show them God. <laughs> show them who you are and what you can do. And I just thought, what an incredible testimony this would have been for our community. And I just, I just didn't get it. And I was just so disappointed. I was just so disappointed with him. 
I just didn't know how to deal with that. And I just wonder if, if this morning, if there's anyone here that you're just, you're just disappointed where he just didn't come through the way you, you thought he would. And, and it's just hard to deal with it. Even just being in church is hard when you're in that place. You know, and we just had meet and greet and everyone's smiling and laughing and talking and, and you're forcing yourself to smile. And everyone's worshiping and raising their hands and, and, and dancing and getting into it and you, you just find it so hard to sincerely worship. And the thought of maybe not even coming today crossed your mind this morning because of that disappointment. And, and I just want to encourage you this morning. I just feel like God wants to say to you this morning that God sees you. God sees you. And he wants to speak to your heart today. Amen? Let's pray. God, I just thank you for today. I thank you for everything that you've you've given us here today. I thank you for being with us. I thank you for, for moving in our hearts. I thank you for setting us free. I, you're so good and you're so amazing. And, and so now, God, I just pray that, that we hear your voice, that we just hear that specific, that rhema voice, that specific word that you have for each one of us today, no matter where we're at with you. We might not even believe in you. You still got a word for us today. And so I just pray that, that everyone here today, everyone watching online, that we're going to hear your voice today. And I just pray for an encounter today with, with Jesus that's going to forever change our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go ahead, turn your Bibles to John chapter 11. Go with Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. It's the fourth book of the New Testament there. John chapter 11. This is our last message in the series, Let's Talk About It. Um, I wasn't able to address all the, the topics that I wanted to in that series, so maybe I'll have a part two down the road. I don't know. Even today, I was planning to talk about something else, and I just really felt like the Lord was pressing this on my heart. Um, that was on Thursday. I wish if he did that on Monday. Uh, I was just disappointed. No, just kidding. And so John 11, <laughs> maybe I was finally listening on Thursday. Anyway, John 11 is the story about when, when Jesus uh, lay, uh, raised Lazarus from the grave. How many of you are familiar with that story? Okay, and, and we often focus on the Lazarus part of the story, and, and today we're going to focus more on, on Lazarus' sisters. Before he raised Lazarus from the grave, he first was dealing with Martha and Mary who were, who were disappointed. They were disappointed with Jesus. And, and I'd say specifically Mary was, was more so disappointed and, and so we're just going to, all we're going to do today is we're going to read through this story and we're just going to talk about it and hopefully find some understanding and some help for disappointment. Does that sound okay? Yeah. So John 11, it's, it's kind of a long story here. 
um, verses 1 to 44. Don't worry, it's not going to be a long sermon. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. So, so John is, is clarifying here. This, there's lots of Marys in the Bible. It's not Mary, the mother of Jesus. This isn't Mary Magdalene, but, but he's specifying which Mary this is. And I think he's also um, bringing attention to Mary because I really believe that this story is as much about Mary as it is Lazarus. Um, let's keep going. Her brother, Lazarus, was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. And, and just to understand, the Greek word there for sick um, has, has significant um, 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 attention to what it actually means here. It's, it's not just, you know, he has a cold or something, but that word sick means that, that he's frail in his health. It's a description of someone that's so weak that they couldn't travel, they're feeble, they're incapacitated, they're disabled, and, and such poor health that it was unthinkable to even transfer them, okay? So when Jesus got this message, it was very clear to Jesus how sick Lazarus was. Jesus knew that he was at death's door, okay? So it's important for us to understand that. In verse four, but when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus's sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the son of God will receive glory from this. Let's remember that verse. In verse five, so although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he loved them dearly. They were his good friends. He stayed where he was for the next two days. So although he loved them, Jesus did not rush to go see Lazarus. Have you ever needed God to do something within a specific time frame? But then he didn't do it? Right? And I can just imagine Mary at Lazarus' bedside, saying, just hang on just a little longer, Lazarus. We've sent word to Jesus. Jesus knows you're sick. He's coming. He's coming. Just hang on a little longer. Jesus will not let us down. And then he didn't show up. And we're left confused. And we're left asking questions. Right? We're left thinking, did God even hear my prayer? Does God even care about what I just prayed, what I asked him to do? Does God even really love me? Have you ever asked that question before? Does God even really love me? And this story helps us to answer those questions. Jesus does love you. Jesus does care for you. Jesus does hear your request. He knows the seriousness of it. He understands the urgency of it. But we also understand from this that just because Jesus loves us and hears us and understands our urgency in our request doesn't mean that Jesus is always going to follow our timelines. 
Is that right? You say, well, if he loves me, then why? If he loves me, then why did he let this happen? Why didn't he show up? Why didn't he do what I asked? Do I not have enough faith? Didn't I pray enough? What is it? Help me understand why. Why would Jesus wait in this situation? Why would he allow Mary and Martha to watch their brother die and then go through a funeral and then have to watch bury him? Why would he do that? I think in this specific situation, there are many reasons. I think number one, it was dangerous. We read about that in verse seven and eight. Finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But the disciples objected, Rabbi, they said only a few days ago, the people in Judea were trying to stone you. Are, we, are, are you going there again? So it's very possible that if Jesus went there in, those, in that first time, that first time that he heard about Lazarus, it's very possible that his life was at stake. Okay, another reason in, in what we read in verse 4, that Lazarus' sickness was so God and so Jesus can be glorified. So Lazarus' sickness and his death were for the glory of God. How many of you know today that God does not exist to make us happy, but that we exist to glorify him. He created us for his purpose and his glory. We did not create him for our purpose and our happiness and our glory. That's a tough one. That's a tough one for us to to get around, isn't it? Because we're selfish. (laughs) That's why. That's why it's tough to learn that it's not always about us. Romans 11 says, for everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory, all glory to him forever, amen. Not just us, everything exists for the glory of God. And sometimes our disappointments are for the glory of God. We see that in, in John chapter nine when, when Jesus heals the blind man. Remember when the disciples and Jesus came across this blind man and the disciples right away started to put their theology to it, didn't they? They said, so Jesus, tell us, it's gotta be one or the other, is this blind man blind because of his sin or is it because of the sin of his parents? And what does Jesus say? Neither. It had nothing to do with his sin or the sin of his parents, but it was that so that the power of God can be shown in his life. It was for the glory of God, right? And so, so they were trying to apply their theology while well, good things happen to good people and bad things happen to bad people. And we know that's not true. We know it rains on the just and the unjust. Truth is, bad things having a good people too. That's the reality. That's the truth of living in a fallen world, a post-Genesis 3 broken world. Amen? And here's another reason. It was so the disciples will believe in Jesus. We read this in verse 11 to 14. Then he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him up. The disciples said, Lord, 
if he is sleeping, he will soon get better. So the disciples didn't quite get it. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sakes, he said, I'm glad I wasn't there. Because he would have healed them. So for your sakes, I'm glad, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now, you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. See, there was a, there was a belief in the Jewish community that when someone died, that their spirit could still revisit their body within that first three days. And then their spirit could decide if they wanted to come back to that body and, and live again. But after day four, by the time it was day four, that can't happen anymore. And so no one had ever been raised again from death after four days. Lazarus was in the grave for four days, right? So this was an opportunity to prove that Jesus was the Messiah. This was a vital moment in the faith of the disciples. And so there was lots of reasons, and there was probably lots more that we don't know. There's lots of reasons why Jesus didn't come sooner. But you know that when he met with Martha and when he met with Mary, he didn't offer one of those explanations. He didn't offer one reason why he didn't come sooner, why he didn't come right away and heal Lazarus. And sometimes we are gonna be left without an explanation. To this day, I still do not understand why Robin Hill was not healed. I still don't get it. But I've resolved in my heart two things. I will probably never know the answer until I'm with Jesus. And number two, God is still good. That's what I had to resolve in my heart. Sometimes we're not gonna get an answer to satisfy us in our disappointments. Romans 11 says, oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. How impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his ways. You know, God's gonna do some things that our three and a half pound brain just are not gonna be able to figure out. I really like what Bobby Conway said. He's the author of Doubting Towards God. And we talked about, uh, had a, a sermon series on that about a year and a half ago and this is what he says he says end your quest for omniscience there's only one omniscient and it's not you see when we demand certainty from God when we demand that we that we know the answer to every question and everything that every decision that he makes we're just going to go further and further into disappointment and frustration and discouragement because we can't see the big picture but God does. And sometimes in our disappointments, we just have to concede. I am not God. We need to trust him. We need to trust that he's a good, good father that loves us dearly, that knows the best for us, and that has never made a mistake. He's never made a mistake. And then Jesus comes to Bethany and, and meets with Martha and Mary. In verse 17, when Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already 
been in the grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. See, see, Mary wasn't ready to see Jesus yet. Mary's still struggling with her disappointment, and I wonder if she got a little offended. We get offended when our expectations aren't met. And I wonder if she was a little angry. When you get offended, when you get hurt, when you get angry with someone, you don't want to talk with them. You ever have that happen where someone you're mad at texts you? I don't think so. (laughs) They can wait. Right? (laughs) And there's some bad religion out there that says we shouldn't tell God how we feel, that it's wrong to have doubts and disappointments. That's not true. It is 100% okay to tell God how you feel. How many of you know that he can handle it? He can handle it. Listen to what Moses says to God in Exodus 5. Then Moses turned again to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you brought harm and oppression to this people? Why did you ever send me? I cannot understand your purpose. Ever since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he's harmed and oppressed this people, and you have done nothing at all to rescue your people. Moses is lecturing God. Isn't he? God, I don't know if, you, I don't know if you've been paying attention here, God. <laughs> but this is how I see it. <laughs> okay, what about Jeremiah? Jeremiah in Jeremiah 27, he accuses God of deceiving him. Listen to David talk to God. Lord, how how long must I wait? Will you forget me forever? How long will you turn your face away from me? How long must I struggle with my thoughts? How long must my heart be sad day after day? How long will my enemies keep winning this battle over me? Lord, my God, look at me and answer me. Give me, a li- give me new life or I will die. David's like, God, look at me. Answer me. He's giving him a command and an ultimatum. <laughs> Who does he think he's talking to? I'll tell you. He's talking to Almighty God and he's talking to his loving Father. And look how God responds. He doesn't get angry. He doesn't turn him into dust, which he could. But he preserved their angry words in Scripture forever. So that we can know. It's okay. It's okay to tell me that you're angry. I can handle it. God can handle our doubts, our fears, our disappointments, and our angry outbursts because that's relationship. He wants honest relationship with us. He wants intimate relationship with us. So he can handle it when you get mad at him. 
And that's what Jesus does for Martha and Mary. He lets them voice their disappointment in verse 21. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. That's voicing their frustration. That's voicing their disappointment. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. See, Martha's disappointed, but she remembers who Jesus is. The first time we hear about Martha and Mary, it's Martha that gets the the bad end of that, that deal, right? We give Martha a hard time for being busy while Mary's sitting at Jesus' feet. Well, this time Martha, she's doing the right thing. She goes to Jesus. She talks to Jesus. She tells her how, she, how she's feeling, but she hasn't forgotten who he is. And Jesus then gives her hope. Verse 23, Jesus told her, your brother, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises on the last day. Yes, I understand, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Martha, I understand that you're disappointed, but, but do you trust me? Do you trust me in this moment? In verse 27, Martha says, yes, Lord. I've always believed you're the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. So Jesus might not always give you explanations, but Jesus will always give you hope and peace. Always. That's our God. Jesus is even our hope in death. How many of you believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? Hallelujah. Each of us has to resolve that question in our hearts. There is no question that matters more in this life. Jesus is either crazy or he's a liar or Jesus is the son of God and the savior of the world. And we have to resolve in our heart who Jesus really is. But if you believe in Jesus, he says you will never die. Jesus is our hope in death. Lazarus was dead for four days. That didn't matter because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. It didn't matter that he's dead. What's dead in your life right now? doesn't matter how long it's been dead. Jesus is our hope in death. And then... Jesus meets with Mary. Verse 28, then she returned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, the teacher is here and wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. Jesus had stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. When the people who were at the house uh, consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, she assumed she was going to Lazarus' grave to weep. So they followed her there. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet. That word fell, just, she collapsed. She just collapsed. She said, Lord, if only you had been there, my brother would not have died. 
And when Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him, he asked. They told him, Lord, come and see. And then Jesus wept. See, one thing you need to know about Jesus is that he has a very broad chest. His chest is strong enough that you can beat against it. But his chest is also soft enough that you can fall against it. And Jesus' response to Mary is absolutely perfect. He doesn't try to give her some spiritual and biblical explanation. And I wonder if some of us well-meaning, well-intentioned Christians can learn from this. Sometimes that's not what they need. But he just cried with her. That's what he did. He just cried with her. Because that's what she needed. She needed her sympathetic high priest. She needed her comforter. He was her friend. Make no mistake about it. When you weep, Jesus weeps. He understands the weight of your grief and your disappointment. And Psalm 56 talks about how he collects our tears. That means he cares about each tear that rolls down your face. And let's read what happens next. Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb, a cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he's been dead for four days. The smell is going to be terrible if you do that. And Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they'll believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come, come out. So King James for a second there. Come forth. And the dead man came out. Hallelujah. That's our God. That's our God. He, Jesus could have just come and went to the tomb in the first place, couldn't he? But he took the time to talk to Martha. He took the time to talk to Mary. He took the time to minister to them first. What a Savior. What a Savior. Amen? I just want to invite our, our worship team and our, our prayer team uh, forward at this time. And so we're just going to spend a little time in prayer here while we sing our last song. And so um, there's, there's three altar calls this morning. Are you ready? Here's the first one is for salvation. 
And so if you would like to come into relationship with God today, you believe that Jesus is not crazy, that Jesus is not a liar, but you believe Jesus is the Son of God, and you believe that he is the Savior of the world, and you want to make Jesus your Savior, I want to invite you to come. As we sing this last song, I want to invite you to come. And uh, one of our prayer team leaders here, Tracy, Sean, and Gary, they will be thrilled, thrilled to lead you in that, in that prayer to relationship with Jesus. <clears throat> the second is for disappointment. In the same way that Jesus called for Mary, Jesus is calling for you this morning. If you're that person that is struggling with disappointment, Jesus is in this room. Jesus is in this room. And he wants to help you with that disappointment this morning. So if that's you, I want you to come for that too. And also, of course, anyone that's in need, anyone that needs prayer, come forward for prayer. So as we sing this last song, um, you can sit or you can stand. You can come for prayer. Um, but let's just be with Jesus. Let's just be with Jesus. Amen.